Now let's just get this out of the way because I know a lot of you are coveting my shoes and I don't want you to do that here on Easter morning. <laughs> when, I, when I first started going to church when I was 17 years old, um, the first Easter, this was in New York, um, everybody came decked out in their hats. Remember the Easter hats? They used to wear Easter bonnets, whatever, that song, Easter bonnets. They actually had Easter hats on and everybody decked out in all these colors. And these are my resurrection shoes right here. These are, I'm telling you, Italian, white Italian leather shoes. They, these feel really comfortable, I'm telling you right now. I wore these at Jen's wedding. She, uh, my wife, when we got married, dressed me in all white. It looked like the ice cream man, but I was happy. Um, and then my, my daughter, Jen, gets married, and she pulls out these white shoes as well. So I thought I was done with the white shoes, but then I wore them, and I actually liked them. And I thought, when can I wear these again? And, you know, it just makes sense to wear them on Resurrection Sunday, bright and cheery, and they pop out at you. You know what I'm saying? Easter. I love Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God sending his son, Jesus Christ, to earth to live with us and to die for us, to give us life. He came as an example for us. He set an example for us to follow on this earth, and he secured a place for us in eternity. That's exciting. That's dynamic. Jesus died on a cross, on a tree. He died on a tree. He paid the ultimate price. And so the question I have for all of us this morning is, if he was willing to die on a tree for us, are we willing to go out on a limb for him? That's what this is here for. And these will have uh, significance at the end of the sermon as well. But if he was willing to die on a tree, on a cross, on a tree for us, are we willing to go out on a, 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 a limb for him? We're, we're in the final uh, sermon on a series we're calling Risky Business, stepping out and taking risks for Jesus Christ, stepping out and, and living our whole lives for him. You know, when you ask people to go out on a limb, it, it creates uh, a lot of stress in their lives. You know, they get, they get nervous about it. They think about all the things because, because when you're asking someone to take risks, to go out on a, on a limb, that's what you're saying. You're saying, I, I want you to take some risks. And people don't like to take risks. It makes them nervous to take risks. And when, because when, you, when, you're, when you're asked to risk something, when, when you're asked to step out, to walk out, fear begins to creep in. When someone asks you to step out, fear, in whatever, whatever way it manifests itself in your life, fear begins to creep in. You think to yourself, well, my goodness, what if I, what if I fail? What if I get rejected? What if I can't do what I'm being asked to do? And so fear begins to creep in. And, and with that said, let me just say to you, let me let you in on a little secret. Everyone feels that way at some point in their lives. Everyone feels that way at one point or another. You need some examples? Did you know that Walt Disney... Walt Disney was, get this, was fired from, by a newspaper editor for a lack of ideas. Now, let that sink in for a moment. Walt Disney was, was fired for a lack of ideas. He also went broke a few times before he built Disneyland. Then you have Leo Tolstoy, author of War and Peace. <laughs> he flunked out of college and was described as both unable and unwilling to learn. Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players, some say the greatest basketball player of all time, did not make his basketball team his sophomore year in high school. Imagine, just imagine that. I wonder who, who got it, who took his place. Beethoven's teacher, Beethoven's teacher called him a hopeless composer. He was hopeless as a composer. 
He'd never, he'd never be a good composer. What was his teacher's name? I forget. Um, <laughs> Winston Churchill failed the sixth grade and became prime minister when he was 62 years old. Henry Ford basically went bankrupt and failed five times before he was successful. And then someone mentioned after the service said, I was so disappointed you didn't mention Abraham Lincoln. You remember the story of Abraham Lincoln. I mean, he failed at everything, business, politics, until he became president. I don't, I don't know how he made a living. The guy failed at almost everything he did, and then he became president of the United States, and we all know, for me, he was the greatest president we ever had. All of us are afraid of failing. All of us are afraid of being rejected. All of us are afraid of not being able to live up sometimes to the risks that, we, that we're called to take. That's why I love Easter. I love, I love the, the resurrection event because it reminds us that you cannot keep a good man down. That you can't keep a good man down, that Jesus Christ is risen. It is God's will. It was God's will when Jesus hung on a cross. It looked as if his life was over, that it had ended. It looked as if that, that the story was going to end with the humiliating death of Jesus, and that would be the end, and there'd be nothing after that. But that is not the end of the story. That is not the end of the story. That is not the end of his story. And because he is risen, because he has risen from the grave, he gives us the power to step out in faith. Every single one of us, the power, the resurrection, to step out in faith, to keep going, even when it looks like to the rest of the world that your story is finished, that your, that your life is over, that your story has ended. The resurrection tells us our lives are not over until God says they're over. Our lives aren't finished. Our story is not finished until our God says it's finished. We have examples of this throughout Scripture. I mean, one after another, Caleb was 85 years old, and God was still using him. This is amazing. I love this. In Joshua 14, 9 through 12, it says, So on that day Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord has promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go into battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord has promised me that day. You yourselves heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. God was still using Caleb, 85 years old. It doesn't matter if you're 85 years old here or older. God is not finished with you until he says he's finished. Your story is not over until God says it's over. We see that throughout Scripture. Brother Joseph's brothers, they thought it was all finished when they threw him in the cistern. They thought it was all over. God had other plans. Joseph's story ends with him being second in command of Egypt. They threw Daniel in a lion's den. They thought, this is the end. This is finished. Not quite. Our life story, our story, our lives are not over until God says they're over. Obstacles become opportunities as we step out, as we go out on a limb for God. Obstacles become opportunities. It allows our capacities to be stretched. Instead of seeing impossibilities, impossibilities in God's mind are just opportunities for your and my capacities to be stretched. God loves to use, to use words like uh, impossible. 
He loves obstacles. He loves roadblocks. Why? Because he has given us the power through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to come overcome all those things. So bring it on. God says, bring on the word impossible. Bring on all those obstacles for my people. Bring on all those wall, all those ditches, all whatever you want to call them. And through the power of Jesus Christ, we will be able to overcome. Your life is not over until God says it's over. So we need to go out on a limb for God. What are the obstacles standing in your way right now? I want you to think about that. What obstacles stand in your way? I want you to put them in your mind. I want you to try to get those in your mind because at the end of the service, you're going to have an opportunity to come up and, and write those right here on this limb. So what are they? Keep that in your mind. What are those obstacles? A sea, a sea stood in Moses' way. A giant stood in David's way. A wall stood in Joshua's way. A lion stood in Daniel's way. Age stood in Sarah's way. Doubt stood in Thomas's way. Fear stood in Gideon's way. What is it that's, what is the obstacle for you? What is standing in your way? I want you to put a name to it. Put a name on it, okay? In your mind right now, what is that obstacle? Name it. I want you to name it. I want you to call it out. I want you to name it because I want you to leave it here this morning. What obstacle is standing in your way this morning from doing, keeping you from doing what God has truly created you to do and to be? When, when we're ready to step out for God, we can be sure that God is going to use us. God is going to do amazing things through us just like he did before. He'll use us. The time of miracles is not over. The time of being used by God is not over. It didn't just happen in the Bible. It happens now. God is looking for men and women, young people, children now, who are willing to be opened up and be used by him. That is what it's all about. That's what the resurrection is all about, that God came to save us from our sin. God came to save us and then to use us. He set an example for us to follow. He said, I'm going to change your life. I'm going to use you in ways you never thought possible. That's what we're talking about this morning. That's what Jesus Christ can do. When we make decisions to step out on a limb for God, dynamic things happen. Unique, dynamic, exciting things begin to happen. We find a joy and a wonder that we've never had before. Something transpires in your life. God begins to take hold of your life. Going on a, out on a limb for God builds your faith. We see this in, in Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. It says this, And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. God validates us as we choose to follow him. God will validate you as you choose to follow him. Going out on a limb causes our faith to grow. It causes us to change the way we think about ourselves. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. It changes the way you think about yourself. It changes, it changes the way, it's amazing the way God will look at you. God validates you. God validates you, and you're validated in his eyes. You're validated in the eyes of those around you. You're validated in your own eyes. This is so important. This is so important that you are validated in your own eyes. That you understand because your life, it will be different. When you see yourself the way God sees you, your life will be different. I remember when I, when I came to Christ, before I was a Christian, 
I used to dream, but I never thought my dreams would ever become a reality. I didn't really think about it that way. But when Christ came into my life, it changed the way I thought about myself. I began to dream, and those dreams be, were becoming realities. And as I dreamed, God would encourage those dreams in my life. He would encourage me to step out. Each time I stepped out in faith, God would continue to encourage me. It was almost like he was clapping and encouraging me to take another step. Yes, take another step, and another, and another, because I cannot outdo God. The Bible says God can do immeasurably more than all I could ever ask or imagine. So as I step out on that limb, as I go out on that limb, as I step out and take risks, God is encouraging me, realizing that there I cannot go far enough. He will be there with me. He will carry me through that. He will catch me as I fall. God will continue to validate me throughout my life. How I view myself changed when Jesus Christ came into my life. Like I was saying, I started to take chances. And God was there every step of the way. But first, my friends, I had, to take out, I had to take some risks. I had to step out and take some risks. How are you going to see how, how are you going to see the movement of God in your life? How are you going to experience, experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ unless you step out for God, unless you step out on that limb, unless you start to take some of those risks? And we need to do it together. You see, risk-taking calls us to be unified as one. It calls us to unity. It calls us to a common vision. The Israelites had a common vision. It was to enter the promised land, to receive the promised land. But if you think about it, the first generation, they were right on the edge. They were there. But they never got to, they got to maybe see it from a distance, but never got to enter the promised land because they were not willing to step out and take that risk. And so they died in the desert of regret. They died there in the desert of regret. That is, not, that is the one thing that you and I do not want. We don't want to be, we don't want to be older in our deathbeds and thinking woulda, shoulda, coulda. Why didn't I step out and take those chances? Why didn't I live for God even more? Why did I waste so much of my time worrying about what this person thought or what that person thought or what the world thought was important? Now I'm here and I'm, I'm dying in a desert of regret. But then the next generation comes along and they step out in faith and they take that risk and they claim their destiny. They go into the promised land. They fulfill the vision that God had given to them as a whole and they step out and they live their lives. In the New Testament, Paul communicates the same message, the same message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 14, Paul's concerned about the church, the people in the church, that they would have a common vision. And they would have a common vision because individually, individually as God speaks to you and works through you, you can do amazing things. Collectively, there's nothing that can stand in the way of God's people. Nothing. As God moves in our lives, as God moves in our hearts together, we can move mountains. And Paul is telling us this. He wants there to be unity within the body. And he says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though they are all, all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. We are one body made up of many parts. Christ is the head. And as Christ gives us that resurrection power, there's nothing that can stop us from doing what God has called us to do. 
I mean, do you ever, you ever look around the world and think to yourself, boy, I really like to change that. I, boy, I really like to stop that tra- the child trafficking. Boy, I really like to have an impact here. I really like to have an impact there. But, what I can, but what can I do? What do you mean, what can you do? This is what we're talking about this morning, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power of Christ working in the body together, one vision, one voice. There's nothing we can't do. There's nothing that can stop us. I think we sometimes don't understand who it is that we follow, that we're joint heirs of Jesus Christ. God has given us, through the power of Jesus Christ, God has given us that resurrection power. And through that resurrection power, if we are of one mind and one heart, and God has called us and we're ready to step out on that limb, he will use us to do absolutely amazing things. I promise you, I promise you, that if we step out and we look around this world and say these are some things that need to change and we decide that we are going to change them, I promise you that in a few years, three years, five years, ten years, thirty years down the road, we will look back and see some of the most amazing things that you, you never thought you'd experience. We will experience them as a church if we're not afraid to step out for God and experience what he has for us. God wants us to do that. There, 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 there needs to be some, some passion behind our following Jesus Christ, not just this eh, going through the motions. To be successful, we have to have a common vision, and we need to go out on that limb together. In Proverbs 29 and verse 18, it warns us, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no clear vision, the people, that's what happens in so many churches. They start going through the motions. They start going through the rituals. They start going through it, and then the people coming in are, are looking around and saying, you know what? what? What they talk about and how they live are two different things. There's no reality here. See, and so when people come into the church, but they see people, and they see people living for Jesus Christ and giving for Jesus Christ and sacrificing for Jesus Christ, it becomes alive to them. You are maybe here for the, for the first time, and you, you, know, you come in and, and, and you're wondering what this is all about. I, I want to encourage you this morning. There is a God. His son is Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ did raise from the grave. And there's a price, my friends, for all of us who are not willing to step out and take that risk, there's a price for not risking for God. Today is Easter Sunday. Today's Easter Sunday. And for some of you, you were, you were kind of you were kind of encouraged to come here. And it was maybe something like this. It's Easter Sunday. You think if just one day a year you could come to church with me, right? Don't nudge anybody and don't, don't look. You don't want to give yourself away. But that's why you're here, because someone basically said to you, it's one day, you know, or two, I, Easter and Christmas, that's all I'm asking you to do. But I, I, I really, I truly hope, I truly hope that you this morning have even, as we continue here, but even now, have a greater understanding of this event and how it applies to your life, your life. You are, you are created in the image of God. You are an image bearer. God created you and has a purpose for your life. The resurrection has everything to do with you. He didn't just die for the pastor. He died for every single one of us. He gives power to every single one of us. He has called every single one of us. He wants to use every single one of us. He wants to do dynamic things through every single one of us. And together, together, we are truly, truly dangerous. Because he has risen, my friends, Listen to this. This is, applies to each one of us. Because he is risen, we can overcome. 
We can overcome whatever obstacles stand in our way. Because he is risen, we can change. We can bring about change in our lives. It doesn't matter if someone says, you've always been this way. You're never going to change. Yes, you can. Because of what Jesus Christ did, you can change. You can start over. That's what this is all about. That's what having a relationship with Christ is all about. It's about the, the old is gone, the new has come. You can start over. You can begin to truly live. I'm telling you right now, a lot of you are just existing you're going through the motions, whether you're coming to church or not. You're just going through your every day. You know what a midlife crisis is? A midlife crisis is when someone spends 40 or 50 years of their lives and wakes up one day to the truth that they've wasted their time because they're doing everything they were told to do by the world and the business world and what you should be and everything. You get there, you get to the top of the mountain, and all of a sudden you're looking around and there's nothing stinking there. And what I'm saying to you this morning is there's more to life than what you're doing right now. God has more for you than what you're experiencing right now. And you can change and you can start over and you can begin to live the life that God truly created you for. You, you may have come here this morning with an attitude, okay? You don't want to be here. You didn't want to be here. You may have come here this morning with an attitude, but my prayer is that you will leave here with a different attitude. Because this is for you. This is, this, this, Jesus Christ dying on a cross and raising from the dead is not some thing that we go through in church. It's just some ritual we experience. It's real. I wish I could somehow sit down with every one of you individually and explain to you the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that you're here this morning really proves the resurrection of Christ. And here's basically how. All they had to do was produce his body and it would have been over. We wouldn't be here. All they had to do is say, no, no, he didn't raise. Here he is. His dead body's right here. Go, go back to your homes. It's all a hoax. He rose from the dead. This is real. And the power of the resurrection in your life is real to help you overcome addictions, to help you overcome the past that, that, you're, that you struggle with, that you're, you've been struggling with. The power of the resurrection gives you the power to overcome whatever it is that you're facing in your life, whatever it is that you need to deal with. God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, and he can change your very existence. God created you for a purpose, my friend. I don't care if you've been coming here for 10 years or, or an hour. God created you for a specific purpose. He designed you for more than the life that you're living right now. I promise you that. He designed you. He created you for more than the life that you're living right now. You just need to open your eyes to that truth and go out on a limb. Stop going through the motions. Stop just coming in and out of church. Stop coming... Just... Believe in all, with all your heart that what God says is true, that Jesus Christ did raise from the grave, that he is yours, that he wants to have a relationship with you, that he wants to be one with you, that he wants to use you. But you need to step out and go out. You need to go out on that limb. Again, I don't care if it's been an hour you've been here or 10 years, you need to step out on that limb. You know, a lot of people who I'm just talking to, you, you haven't been here that often or whatever else. You come at Easter. I love the fact you come at Easter. I don't feel, don't feel guilty at all. Thank God you're here. I'm thrilled that you're here. But I'm going to turn my attention to those who come all the time and pick on you. I'm smiling, so I do love you. You know, how, you know I love you, right? Everybody knows the love. All right, I do love you. 
I'm going to tell you something. The reason that a lot of people only come once in a while and the reason that people aren't really fired up about their faith is they come to church sometimes and those who come to church don't live like they live under the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Pa- pastor gets up here and talks about the reality of what this is all about, but then they don't see the reality when we walk out of here. We're different people when we leave here than when we were here, and they're going, something's wrong, something's going on. I have, I have a really good illustration for you. Kierkegaard, the 19th century um, Danish religious philosopher, tells a story about a town that is completely filled with ducks. It's a duck town. So they're all ducks. And he tells a story about this town filled with ducks. And every Sunday, the ducks, they, they, would, they would waddle out of their houses, and they would waddle down the main street of their town, and they would waddle into their, to their church. And they would go into their church, and they'd all waddle in. They'd find their, their, their specific seats, and they'd waddle up, and they'd get snuggy in their seat. You know how ducks do that? They kind of, you know, get everything and make a little. And they'd snuggle right down in their seats. And then and the ducks would all, and then the duck choir, the duck choir, quack, 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 quack. And they'd come up here, and they all sit up there, the duck choir, and they'd do their thing. And then, and then the pastor, the duck pastor would get up, and he'd waddle up to the pulpit, and he'd open his duck Bible, and he would begin to preach to them. Now, you have now you got to get into this a little bit with me, okay? Because, you know, it's not as fun if you don't get into it. So, you know, you need a little, you, you can say amen, I promise. No, the sky won't fall, you know, no one will look at you like you're crazy. Okay, so the duck pastor waddles up and opens his duck Bible and says, Ducks, God has given you wings. Thank you. With wings, you can fly. With wings, you can fly. With wings, you can mount up and soar on wings as eagles. Thank you. You're the only one, though. Holy mackerel. You know, I think, you know, you ever been to an African-American church or whatever? They, you know, they have a little, you know, come on here, all right? You can soar up in wings as eagles, and you can fly. No walls can confine you. No cages can hem you in. Not, no fence can hold you. You have wings. God has given you wings. Nothing. You're a little slow, too. That's all right. Not, no. <laughs> oh, nothing can stand in your way. Nothing can stand in your way. And all the ducks said, yes. And then they all waddled home. And then they all waddled home. God has something great for our lives. God has given us wings to fly. We can soar on wings as eagles. So why do we choose to waddle? I don't get it. I mean, I'm, st- I'm dead serious. We can soar in wings as eagles. Nothing can hem us in. Nothing can stop us. God has given us the power of his resurrection. He raised Jesus from the dead. Historical fact. I have the power of Christ living in me. I am a different human being than I was years ago. Um, I'm the, who you see now will not be who you see in five years. I will be a different person because the Holy Spirit continues to work through, through me. But we have all of that. We sing songs of praise. We raise our hands. And then we waddle home. We waddle home. See, for some of you, as we close here, for some of you, it is, it is time, it is time to, to start over. It, you, you need a do-over. You, you need a time that's a do-over. It's time to put your old life behind you and begin to live a new life. Seriously. Put, put, the, old life, put the old life to death. That's, that's what's great about baptism last week, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
put to death the old life and start to live a new life in Jesus Christ. That's what God has called. And for you, that's, that's what you need to do. You need to go out on a limb this morning. That's what you need to do. Jesus Christ needs to be part of that new life. That's where you find new life, in Christ. Some of you need to ask Christ into your life and say, God, I want your son in my life walking with me. There's no magic formula to it. Just believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Some of you need to go out on a limb. That's what you need to do this morning. For, for, for others, some need to, it's a time, it's a time to renew an old commitment. Seriously. It's a time to renew an old commitment. It's time to recapture the passion. Think about this. Remember, remember, it is time to renew the, compa- the passion that you once had. Recapture the, com- the passion that you once had for Christ. We've had 82 people come to Christ here in the last four months. You know what's amazing about them? I ask them to do something. I say jump, and I'm not, this is not, I'm not being funny or anything, but it's literally, I say jump, they say how high. I ask for something, they want to do it. I put something on Facebook, they want to do it. I put something on that, they want to do it. I've mentioned something on Sunday morning, they want to do it. I have to keep saying, you already have a job, you already have a job, you already have a job, you already have a job. You can't do 10 things. Rather you do one or two, maybe two, but, uh, but you can't do it. Some of us need to have that, recapture that passion that we once had for Jesus Christ. Begin to live the life that God has called us to. We need to step out on a limb again. We need to do it again. We need to renew that faith once again. You know, I say this with all the love of my heart, but some of us have become spiritually lazy, lazy and complacent. And God calls us to so much more. Some of you need to let go of your past. You need to let the past go. My friends, listen to me. I don't care if you, if you go to church. This is the first time you've ever been to church. This is for you. Let go of your past, please. Let go of your past. That was then, this is now. That was then, this is now. You now have new information. I just gave you new information about life. Take that new information and use it. Your past is the past. You are now standing in the present. Jesus is your future, and he will help you all along the way. He has forgiven you. If you ask Christ into your life, he forgives you. It's like someone erasing the blackboard of all the things you've ever done. It's like a do-over, and God is saying to you, let your past be in the past. Let it go, my friends. Let it go. You need to let it go. I don't know how many times I need to say that. You need to let it go. It doesn't matter what someone told you in the past. You're nothing. You'll never amount to anything. You're no good. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That's not what God thinks. What God thinks is true. What others say to you that is opposed to what God thinks is a lie. Simple as that. It's a lie. So stop believing a lie. Stop living a lie and start living for Christ. Let go of your past. Let it go. Bow your heads with me if you would. Just bow your heads with me. My friends, God will lead us if we truly believe. He has given us the wings to fly. In him, each of us, every single one of us here have limited, unlimited potential, limitless 
There's a joy and contentment in taking risks for God and daring to be great. Are you listening? There's a joy in it, in daring to be great. There's a joy in using those wings that we've been given, in becoming the person that God created you to be. There's a joy in going out on a limb for God. And God, we ask that you would show us that joy, that you would open our hearts, that you would use us in a powerful, powerful way. Lord God, we don't want to go through the motions one more day. We want to live for you wholeheartedly for you. We give ourselves to you this morning, Lord God, to use as you will so that we can live our lives for you. This might hurt, it's not safe, but I know that I've got to make a change. Don't care if I break, at least I'll be feeling something. Cause just okay is not enough. Help me fight through the nothingness of life. I don't wanna go through the motions.
as we close this morning, here's what I'd like you to do. I don't know what commitment you made in your heart this morning, but there's a family news bulletin you have when you first came in. There's a card there. If you just fill that card out and just check off what the things, what commitments you made so that, that I have a chance to c- encourage you, to help you in your spiritual journey, that would be awesome. Take it to the Welcome Center. You can drop it in a box there. But here's what I'd like you to do. In the very beginning, I ask you, what obstacles are standing in your way to becoming the person that God created you to be? What, what, are, what fears, what obstacles are, are stopping you from living the life that God has called you to live? Taking the next steps in your life, letting go whatever you need to let, what is it? What is that obstacle? First service, they wrote on the, the other side of this. And here's what I'd like you to do. I have markers up here, a bunch of different markers. You can come up, and these markers will write on this wood. And I want you to write, write it down. I said name it. Name it. Put a name to it. Come up here and write it on this, on this limb. For some of you, you can just write it on this limb. I, I, want some, I want some symbolic way for us to leave behind these things. That's one way you can do it. You can write it down on this limb. The other thing is we have another limb over here. And this sermon is called Going Out on a Limb. And symbolically, I want you to leave your old life behind. I want you to walk out on a limb, leave your old life behind, and and, and symbolically say, God, I want to live a new life. I want to leave these fears. I want to leave these obstacles. I want to live for you. Whatever commitment that you made in this time, I want you to go out on a limb for him. I'll be standing over here if you want to connect with me at all. But I also maybe have people here who can help you. I know some women have those shoes on. It's going to be hard to walk across that limb, and I'm not expecting everyone to. You can put your foot on the limb, whatever symbolically allows you to leave that here this morning and leave this place a new and free person, okay? So helping someone across that limb, that's what we're talking about, going out on a limb. We don't go out on a limb alone. We go out together. So let's help each other. So this morning, I want you to come up. You can come right now. I want you to write on this. If you've made a commitment to Christ this morning, I have a gift for you. Just let me know, and I want to give you this gift. But come on up before you leave. Write it here. Leave it here. Walk out on a limb. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful, beautiful resurrection day you've given to us. And I pray that you would use us in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen.